0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, December Fourteenth, Twenty Twenty Two. On today's episode of the show, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at Slashfilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film writer Ryan Scott.
2: Hey, hey, everyone, how's it going?
0: Ryan, how are you? It's been a little while since I've uh, been on a podcast with you.
2: Yeah, I was. Uh, I was on vacation last week, as me and Peter documented uh, in in uh, annoying detail on Monday. <laughs> um i listened uh, to that yes yeah uh, what, what was weird is like i i you know peter asked me to do it and i was like i does, it, does do people want to hear about my vacation and then like i got a really a lot of really nice feedback about it so i was like okay but like you know look i'm not going to turn down the chance to talk about my vacation on company time
0: but, yeah like, yeah man i mean you know people <laughs> people love theme parks so uh,
2: uh but yeah no, I've, been, I've been good just busy since i got back i i I'm moving into a new apartment with my girlfriend Monday. So, like, and my cat's been sick, so there's been a little bit of a plate spinning, but it's been good.
0: Yeah, man. Well, congrats on the move. That sounds um, stressful, but but ultimately awesome. So uh, I'm excited for you there. Uh, let's get into the movie news and stuff today. So there's a trailer that came out today that you were particularly excited about. This is really a, a big part of the reason that I wanted to have you on on today's <laughs> podcast episode, Ryan, because of your reaction to the trailer for a movie called Sixty Five, which. Um, I think I had heard about maybe two years ago. Yep. That comes from um, oh, what are their names? Uh, Beck and Woods, is that Scott right? Scott Beck
2: the, and Brian Woods, the guys who wrote *A Quiet Place*.
0: Yes, they they wrote the original draft of the quiet of uh, *A Quiet Place*, the first movie, and then I think John Krasinski came on and did some rewriting and and obviously ended up directing that movie. But those guys have gone on to direct other things, and and um, they had this project in the in the Hopper for a while, and this is a sci-fi movie starring Adam Driver. And, uh, Ryan, why don't you tell me what you thought about this trailer?
2: So, uh, first off, uh, it needs to be said that A Quiet Place is my favorite movie of 2018. um, And it ended up being one of my favorite movies of that entire decade. I I thought A Quiet Place was so good. And I had the, like, real good fortune of uh, the morning after it premiered, at its world premiere at South by Southwest, I got to go interview uh, Beck and Woods about it. And, like, so we talked about it. And then I talked to them about their movie Haunt. So, like... You know, and they told me like a little bit about this little sci-fi movie they were making, but they wouldn't say a damn thing about it. And now I know why. (laughs) It's just called 65. And I'm like, why is it called? And we come to find out the second this trailer starts that that refers to 65 million years ago, meaning this is a dinosaur movie. And that like Adam Driver is some space traveler who finds his way to Earth 65 million years ago and fights dinosaurs um oh my god <laughs>
0: like, yeah what? i know you're a big dinosaur guy obviously ryan you love the, the jurassic park franchise um so i have to imagine this must have been just like uh, a little early christmas present for you understanding what the, the real premise of this movie was
2: i was losing my goddamn mind this morning because i was because we had a few trailers <laughs> dropped this morning so when i first when i usually my morning routine is when i jump on to work Uh, for Slash Film, you peek behind the curtain here. My first 20 minutes of the day, really no writing gets done. It's making sure I don't have any pressing emails, checking Slack, catching up on the news real quick. And if there's trailers, even if I'm not writing, let's say like, a story specifically pertaining to that trailer, I sort of need to know what's out there and know what's going on. There might be a take I have on it, whatever. So I'm going through, we had the scream six trailer this morning too. So I'm watching it and I throw this on and I just can't focus on anything for like, and no one seemed to be nearly as excited and I'm just losing my damn mind. (laughs) Um, I I can't, I I genuinely can't believe how, I mean, yes, don't it's a little dumb, but like it, uh, you could look at it as like a little dumb, but, at the same time, it's like the one thing I've always wondered is as much money as the Jurassic Park movies have made, especially with the Jurassic World movies, because they're so much less tied to Michael Crichton stuff, it's like nobody has a monopoly on dinosaurs. Anyone can do dinosaur movies. Why aren't mm-hmm. more people making dinosaur movies? It's like free intellectual property. Like dinosaurs are themselves almost like intellectual property. So I just, and so finally someone did it. And it's like a cuckoo bananas premise with like one of our best actors. I just couldn't be more thrilled that this is an actual movie that isn't like some direct to Redbox thing.
0: Yeah, I'm excited because it looks like Adam Driver definitely in sort of a different mode. This is not typically what like a normal Adam Driver movie looks like. If you could sort of um, define what his career is at this point in the trajectory. Um, This is the kind of thing that seems like an old school Hollywood movie star move, you know, being oh, a, yes. like a, the major lead of a, a big studio produced sci-fi movie with, you know, huge VFX and all that kind of stuff. Like obviously he's been in star Wars, obviously he's been in, you know, franchises and stuff like that before, but this is like him, you know, this is, this is an Adam driver vehicle and uh, yeah, kind of a wild concept and the idea that it's Beck and woods who are the, the sort of creative forces behind this thing. It's pretty exciting to me. So uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm maybe not quite at your level of, of like, you know, losing my mind, pulling my hair out, running around the room, screaming, Ryan. But uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see this one. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious, like w- what this this whole thing ends up being. You know what I thought of when I saw this trailer? I was like, Ryan's going to love this because it's like beast. It's like Idris yes! Elba, you know, just like super <laughs> simple premise, one guy versus the elements versus nature versus, you know, uh, in, like fighting off extraordinary circumstances kind of thing. Uh, And I I know how much uh, you went to bat for Beast, which I still haven't seen. I need to check that out. I went to
2: bat. I tried so damn hard to get people to pay attention to that movie. But like in the same way, you're right. You're not wrong. But but like the the dramatic jump in interest I have from lions to dinosaurs is (laughs) (laughs)
1: like
2: I can't, you know, like I mean, it's just and Idris Elber and Adam Driver are both. I would argue if you're going to make a list of, like, the top 10 best, like, leading men in Hollywood right now, they both make that list. Maybe maybe they make the top five. Um, And so, like, it, you know, it's just... And I think, like, what's weird is, like, Adam Driver, like, even in in Kylo Ren, like, yeah, he's in a space movie or whatever, but, like, he is so serious and so, like, he's the best part of... Probably the best part of the newer Star Wars trilogy, but I don't know, like, even though this movie looks, like, serious and, like, yeah, it's going to require, like, okay, you're doing you know, serious things. Like there's a bit of a tongue in cheek to it on some level. Like if you're an actor and you're like, yeah, okay. I'm 65 million years ago. I crashed on an earth and I'm shooting dinosaurs with a space gun. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, so like, I just, it's awesome to me that Adam driver is like doing that. Like, he's like, okay, cool. Let's do it. Yeah, and I also yeah. think, yeah. And the only other thing I would say is that like, I remember ahead of a quiet place, everyone's like, okay, you gotta be quiet. Cause the monsters can hear you. And everyone's like, how far does that get you? And then you see, The Like all of the sort of like layers they provided to that premise and like how how rich they made that. And I think if anything gives me hope that like this can be a little more than a silly premise, it's absolutely what they did with that premise that essentially birthed their career.
0: Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Well said. Uh, I'm very excited about that, and yeah. So, well, I'm sure we'll have much more to say about 65 uh, as as 2023 rolls around. So, uh, let's also talk a little bit about another trailer. The uh, trailer for Spider-Man Across the Spider Verse came out. This is the follow up to the 2018 Into the Spider Verse animated movie from Sony Pictures Animation that really sort of changed the game and and what was possible in mainstream studio animation. Um, I think. It might have. It might have been Slash Film's overall uh, favorite movie of, of 2018 for from all the uh, editors and, and writers and stuff at that time on the site, which was much smaller than uh, then than it is now. Um, so I don't. I don't remember if you and I have really spoken at length about uh, Into the Spider Verse, Ryan. But like broadly speaking, I I, pro- I assume that you like that movie. And what did you think about this trailer?
2: Uh, i look of of course Spider Man's my guy. Like, uh, I I unoriginal in that Spider Man is my favorite superhero, with Doctor Strange a very close second. But, but um, yeah, I mean, like, you there are few love letters to a thing as effective as Spider Spider Man into the Spider Verse is as a love letter to Spider Man. It's Mm. you know because it was sold as like a Miles Morales movie, but it is a love letter to Peter Parker more than it is you know like in some ways it's incredible. Um. Yeah, so I mean, like, you know, were it not for Avengers Infinity War, it would be the unquestioned best superhero movie of that year. But I would even argue a bunch of people would probably put it above Infinity War. That mm-hmm. having been said, the the Across the Spider-Verse trailer, what fascinates me the most about it is they are telling us jack shit. And this, <laughs> yeah. is, two, and this is two trailers in. People forget there was a teaser trailer, I think, much earlier this year or late last year. And they've They've told us nothing. The first half of this trailer, the only new stuff is a monologue. Everything else is old footage. Um, Mm -hmm. What the hell are they hiding?
0: Yeah, part of me wonders um, if Lord and Miller are doing this thing because they're, uh, I think, part of the the producing team for this one. They're they're not um, directing uh, several other people have been brought into the director's share on this film, but they're very much involved and their process. I think, I I hope I'm not uh, misrepresenting. This is sort of like the um, it's a little like the Pixar thing of like, break it down to its core elements and build it back up in the most, you know, sturdy foundation possible. So I'm wondering how much of this is like, um, has been reworked, uh, you know, over the course of this movie's development phase and like, the stuff that we saw in this trailer is the stuff that they have, you know, pretty rock solid that they know for sure is going to be in there. But um, I think they, their process is is very much one of refinement and like getting it down to the best possible version of the thing. Um, and with animation, uh, they can they can do that. It's still animation is really expensive, and and this movie I'm sure is going to be very expensive. But um, but I think they really pride themselves on not releasing stuff that other people might release that they, they have like a level of, uh, a quality of a standard that they strive for every time. And they do a pretty damn good job of hitting that almost every time out. So, um, I, I think that if anything, it, it could be a combination of like just mystery box thinking of not really, you know, showing your, your, uh, hand too much. Um, I'll say for, for example, on that the villain of this movie, I don't think actually appears in this trailer at all. Um, neither
2: trailer, neither. Y- yeah. The, the, the spot who is also in superhero bits yesterday, I put a little thing. The spot is going to be the villain of the next two movies. Cause people may, you may or may not know the part of the reason it's taken so long is that they're doing two back to back. So we're going to get uh, like an across the spider verse part two in 2024. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's not like a different, like it's apparently one big story. And so, yes. yeah, the villain we're going to be following for two movies has yet to make an appearance.
0: Yeah, so that's an interesting thing. And I'm just wondering, like, how um, how locked in that idea was, you know, a year or two ago when they were really sort of um, cranking this thing out and, and starting to, to really get into work on it in, our, in earnest. Um, anyway, uh, that's a lot of speculation on my part in terms of, like, why these trailers are, are being held back with the way that they are. Um, but regardless, I mean, I, I still think it's a, a pretty effective trailer and uh, there's a lot of cool Easter egg stuff in there if that's the kind of thing that you, you know, like and care about. If you're like a big Spider-Man fan who has been following this character across the, the comics lore for years and years and years, there are so many versions of Spider-Man uh, that appear in this thing, just, in you know, little tiny people in the background. That um, you know, it, it's it's a good trailer, um, for, it's a good like teaser type of thing for that purpose alone, just to get people talking, and you know, people sites like SlashFilm will write articles like breaking down the cameos and little uh, Easter eggs and stuff like that. So, um, I think it's a smart move. I think uh, maybe they're they're waiting until it gets a little bit closer because it comes out in summer of 2023, so it's still, yeah, you know, still, still six got, months like, out.
2: Yeah, we got like six months. I I will say because like one of the things. The the one thing I I just finished playing the twenty eighteen Spider-Man game. Uh because such a good game. Well, so I'm not a PlayStation guy, so I bought a Steam Deck earlier this year when PlayStation started releasing games on Steam and mostly so I could play that. And as someone that is like you talk about again, like a love letter to the character. So in the trailer, many, many people have noted like the 2018 Spider Man from the game is in the movie. Mm -hmm. So like that was really cool. But um I, the, the concern I have a little bit is that there's been a few movies in like recent years where it felt like the marketing was like playing it really coy. And then it seemed like that bit him in the ass come time for box office. Cause like nobody really knew what the movie was like mm. blade runner 2049 kind of comes to mind a little bit. Um, but, uh, but like, but obviously like this is a different situation, right? It's Spider-Man. The first movie was tremendously popular, I think this is one of those movies that has a chance to do like a John wick to John wick chapter two thing where like the sequel makes like an absorbent amount more than its original. Um, but I just, I just don't want them to, to risk anything by like not showing us anything because like, I think for people like us, we see, we know we're going to go see these things. We know these things are happening. We get sort of like jaded by like, we have to know everything going into a movie. So sometimes we just want to like, we want less. But like your average moviegoer doesn't. They did need to be sold something hard. So like I, I would I would still hope Sony does a little bit more of the hard sell a little closer to it.
0: Yeah, it's also interesting too, because we got we got the uh the first official synopsis for this Sequel, And I'll just read that real quick. Miles Morales returns for the next chapter of the Oscar-winning Spider-Verse saga, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. After reuniting with Gwen Stacy, Brooklyn's full-time friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is catapulted across the multiverse, where he encounters a team of spider people charged with protecting its very existence. But when the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles finds himself pitted against the other spiders and must redefine what it means to be a hero so he can save the people he loves most. So that uh, doesn't include any reference to the spot, the villain that you mentioned earlier. Um, and it, it does a of,
2: little bit because they're like a new threat, which is pretty clearly.
0: Oh, right, I guess that's true. Yeah. Um, but just the idea that like he's pitted against the other spider people is, uh, is an interesting thing that's sort of like alluded to. You can kind of get a little bit of that sense in this uh, in this trailer. So, yeah, hopefully they'll lean a little bit more into defining sort of what this is for that larger audience that you're talking about as it gets a little bit closer but um anyway i'm i'm excited about this movie obviously like the you know we really really loved the the first one and uh anything lord miller touches seems to be um very much up my alley so um i'm excited about this i know that uh joaquin dos santos kemp powers and justin k thompson are the ones who are directing this time around so um, yep. yeah, just wanted to give them a shout out here. And, uh, we actually have more to talk about, but we're going to take a quick break first and we'll be right back after this.
1: This is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer. He hears things differently to the untrained ear. Everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand.
0: Okay, Brian, so uh, the Patty Jenkins situation, Uh, Peter and I talked about this on a recent episode of the show um, a couple days ago, I think the rap came out with this report that said Patty Jenkins is not going to be working on Wonder Woman three, they said that uh, there was like trouble behind the scenes where she effectively walked off the project. And Uh, There was a a treatment and there was discussions between Patty Jenkins and Michael DeLuca and Pam Abdi, who run uh, Warner Brothers now, and Mm -hmm. they all basically had this heated discussion and decided, you know, there there was no compromise here. There was some other speculation about how Patty Jenkins didn't want James Gunn or Peter Safran, the new heads of DC, to have, quote unquote, a seat at the table. um, and. There's basically just a lot of uh, a lot of speculation, a lot of like insiders say that things are going south <laughs> kind of yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and now Patty Jenkins has come out and uh, basically like um, tried to dispel a lot of uh, a lot of that speculation and sort of given her side of the story here. Um, I'm not going to read her whole statement. We, we wrote an article about it sort of highlighting several of her, her big points, like um, basically saying like, this is not true. And. Uh, you know, it's it's like clickbait kind of stuff, and um, she said, uh, what, what was her quote here that I wanted to mention? Uh, yeah, there's was... a, there's
2: a meaty bit we should mention.
0: Yeah, uh, well, you go ahead and, and read that.
2: Let me let me pull it back up because yeah, I just wanted because there's one. She talks a little bit. I mean, the one thing I think is interesting, I guess, before getting to the bit about Wonder, she talks even about how like there were reports that she's going to be pulled off of uh Rogue Squadron the um star wars movie she's supposed to be directing and she's even kind of being like oh no like that's still in development i don't know if it's going to happen but it just feels like she's doing a lot of like i again i don't want to speculate much but it just feels a lot of very much like let me sort of clear this up for me and let me sort of clear up my image in this whole thing but yeah but that's uh, the
0: that's the sense that i got because honestly there's like a long history of um of Hollywood treating female directors terribly and Patty Jenkins being one of them, right. Where like, you know, people get these labels of being like quote unquote difficult, especially women in this industry. And uh, that's the kind of thing. No, not at all. And that's the kind of thing that like sticks to them for years and years. And like, you know, that's just like, just straight up, frankly inherent misogyny that's just built into the way that uh, the way that this culture works. Um, But I think Patty Jenkins is seeing the way that these conversations are being had based on that report last week. And she's like, probably feels like, um, you know, other people wouldn't have to do this. If this, if I was a man, for example, I would imagine that Patty Jenkins is thinking, I wouldn't have to come out and make a statement like this. I would just like ignore this crap and move on with my life. But I feel like she thinks that she needs to clear the air. Like you said, and sort of, um, at least put her side of the story out there so that yeah. um, negative reputation stuff doesn't stick to her as much as it would if people just sort of like are allowed to blithely say whatever. So, yeah. So um, it's,
2: it's this third paragraph in her statement that gets, that's I think at the heart of the issue here, which is, uh, uh, when there started uh, being backlash about Wonder Woman 3 not happening, the attractive clickbait, clickbait fall story that it was me that killed it or walked away started to spread. This is simply not true. I never walked away. I was open to considering anything asked of me. It was my understanding there was nothing I could do to move anything forward at this time. DC is obviously buried in changes they are having to make, so I understand these decisions are difficult right now. So, yeah, it's true. Peter Saffron and James Gunn have taken over as co-heads of DC Studios. If you don't know that, they are currently planning a whole new future for the DC Universe that may or may not include some of these characters that we don't know yet. Um, and yeah, they got to fit Wonder Woman three around that if they were going to do it. So, you know, it just sounds like from her telling of it, that there was no way to press the project forward at this time. Um, she didn't say she didn't submit a treatment because that was the big part of the other stories that she had submitted a treatment that it seemed like nobody really liked. Mm
0: -hmm. So they
2: were, they were trying to maybe find another way to go ahead, but. You know, so I guess the one thing if we because all we can really do is read between the lines here is like you have to look at what she didn't say. Right. And she didn't say she didn't submit a treatment. You know, like she didn't say that, you know, like, you know, she like that. Everyone hated her story, whatever. Like, it just seemed right, like, right, right, right. you know what I mean? It just, so I guess the only thing is, yeah, it seemed like maybe she did submit a treatment. And it seems like like any story, there's two sides to it. And it does sort of seem like. You know, if that treatment had been like incredible. I don't know, maybe Warner Brothers is like, no, we do this. But like when you couple Wonder Woman 84 doing very bad business, admittedly at a bad time, but bad business nonetheless. And like, you know, maybe a treatment they didn't have total faith in. You kind of see where things get messy.
0: Yeah. And I saw some speculation that like um, because of this is the third movie in a in a franchise that Gal Gadot's uh, payday was going to be huge. And so maybe that had something to do with it because the people at Warner Brothers are clearly trying to tighten the belt and like, you know, uh, save money wherever they can kind of thing. Um, so I'm not sure how much of this is like David Zaslav making decisions or, um, you know, the, the current Warner brothers, executive making decisions or anybody uh, making decisions in the path of what, uh, James Gunn and Peter Safran are about to do. Um, because it seems like all of this stuff is sort of swirling around at the same time. So anyway, I just wanted to sort of present this other side of the story. Um, I'm not saying that like Patty Jenkins is like fully, um, vindicated here or you know that i'm like taking any particular side in this thing i just think it's important to uh to lay this stuff out and present it in a way that that like allows people to sort of like you said read between the lines make up the 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 um decisions that they want to make and and, and yeah make the assumptions they want to make and all that but
2: and it's important that she yeah it's very important that she felt the need to to say some stuff but i do think the main thing here is because we you know is that like it's clear that dc's at like a very messy inflection point they have four movies coming out next year that are all in some way tied to the Snyderverse. And like, they have to walk this fine line of like, having to sort of try to financially capitalize on the past while like looking toward the future. And I don't envy Mm -hmm. that task.
0: Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, for sure. And, and oh, I think it's also important to note that I don't think we noticed we noted this in our story. But um, James Gunn replied to the tweet that that Patty uh, Patty Jenkins wrote this big long statement and he said I can attest that all of Peter and my interactions with you were only pleasant and professional so that's a really classic thing for James Gunn to do he didn't have to do that he could have just like stayed silent in this whole thing um but you know seems like a, a good dude and and you know trying yeah. to, to put that word out there and and just like I think he he knows how this industry treats female directors in particular too and is trying to like do his part to say like you know, based on my experience, I you know, this, you, this is not like a quote unquote difficult woman that we're dealing with here. This is just uh, a project that didn't work out for a myriad number of other reasons or whatever. So um, no, anyway, and
2: like he's got a job to do and it doesn't seem like he wants to ruffle any feathers at all, like because he's a filmmaker first. And I think one of the things I do appreciate is that like. James Gunn, so far, like a little over a month into this job, is that he's still willing to go on Twitter and very publicly say what is or is not correct. And that way, like, people can't just sit there in the rumor mill with bad information. Like, the guy at the top of the studio is literally saying this or that. And so it doesn't leave a lot of room for anything else, which I think is cool.
0: Yeah. As, as like a small side thing, Ryan, like, I'm not sure I fully buy every single thing that James Gunn tweets, you know, because I feel like he, he understands the idea of crafting a narrative and like controlling. The, the conversation around a big behemoth uh, franchise like this. And like, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody, I think Jacob was was speculating about this on Slack. Like, you know, if somebody wrote a book five years from now of like all the goings on behind the scenes at Warner Brothers in DC, and some of those, the, the real life happenings are like uh, conflicting with what James Gunn tweets in in on any given moment or whatever, I would not be remotely surprised about that. I just I feel like he's a smart enough guy who knows how to, um wrangle the narrative and and sort of guide the conversation in ways that he wants to which means maybe not every single thing he says is like completely rock solid but i I do believe a lot of the stuff that he says is is probably legit so um, yeah Uh,
2: yeah that's fair but i would at least believe that like the things he's saying aren't like outwardly dishonest right and at least like he's providing some information yeah you know which is better than what we might have had before
0: Yes. So one of the things that he uh, is sort of correcting the record about is um, is the last story that I wanted to mention about uh, Matt Reeves's Batman, like Robert Pattinson's version of the character. And uh, as you mentioned, they, uh, Gunn and Safran are looking to create this sort of merged version of, of the DC universe and um, you create a world in which uh, games and, uh, uh, yeah, like video games, um, film, television, all that stuff for sort of, um, telling a, a cohesive story with all these different characters across all these different worlds and all this stuff. Uh, and there was some speculation in a, in a recent report that, um, Robert Pattinson's version of Batman would be essentially like the main DCU version of Batman, um, and sort of like interact with other characters and all that kind of stuff. And James Gunn quickly responded and, and said, like, this is not true. Um, so, you know, you can believe him or not, I think, for the purposes of this conversation. Let's just believe that he's he knows what he's talking about here and says that this is not true and it's not true. Well, uh, the other, po- oh, the other thing
2: that's worth noting is Matt Reeves also responded. And then he's Matt Reeves said the source, I believe, here is Mr. Gunn. So Matt Reeves chimed in, too.
0: Okay. yes, that's good to note, too. Um, So you wrote a whole article about why bringing Matt Reeves' version of Batman into the larger DC universe is a terrible idea. Of course, I'm going to link to this in the show notes so people can read the whole thing. But why don't you just give me like a a sort of a rundown of like the basic thoughts behind this thing and why you think Robert Pattinson as the Batman in the DCU is a bad idea?
2: Well, like I started writing this before James Gunn corrected it, but luckily it didn't change much because it seems like if we're to take Gunn at his word... The dude's got his head on straight because this this would be square peg round hole, um. Okay, like and, and don't get me wrong, I you cannot have a DC universe without Batman. It's their guy. You you can't do it, and so I get that. I understand the headache that creates, but the problem is that that the Matt Reeves Batman universe. Matt Reeves only signed on to do the movie when when it was a, like told to him. You don't have to connect it to the universe. He was never going to do it if that was the case. And so, mm-hmm. you know, he he designed a gritty, grounded Batman universe that he intends to expand on its own with spinoff shows and movies and all this stuff that are very specifically Batman. Can you even imagine Aquaman showing up in that universe? No, I, I there's no chance of Aquaman showing up in the universe that Matt Reeves has created. So, like, you know, it. it and then, so so that's first off. I don't think Matt Reeves would want to do it that way. It's clear he's got a lot in the works. It would ruffle some feathers. I don't know whose feathers if Gunn and Saffron and Warner Brothers were like, hey, now we want, you know, Pattinson to be like our Batman. And we're going to build a universe around him. I think it just would be a little messy. Secondly, I don't see Pattinson doing this. I, it seems like it's going to be years before we even get the one sequel because Pattinson still wants to go make his other movies. I, there's nothing that he said directly, but there was a quote during the Batman press cycle where he's like, you know, doing the Batman's eyes nice because people actually see it. Cause nobody sees my other movies, you know? And so like, I just don't think he's going to be the guy. And then, and then the other thing is just that Warner brothers did this before when, you know, the Avengers came out the very same year that the dark Knight rises did. And then, they've been playing catch up in the cinematic universe game ever since. So instead of Man of Steel 2, they make Batman be Superman. They try to rush a shared universe and it's been a cat chasing its tail ever since. I know some yeah. people like those movies and I'm not saying you can't like those movies. I like some of those movies, but what I'm saying is that it's pretty clear that the universe has never cohesed ever since and like <laughs> yes. and and it's and it's just been kind of messy and now like Ben Affleck's Batman never got a solo movie because it was so messy. And like, we still don't know if Cavill's ever coming back as Superman, you know, and like all these things that are messy because of it. And so yeah. like, you know, you would be kind of doing that again in a different way. If you try to build a universe around bat- patents. So like <laughs> bad idea, bad idea.
0: So here's the question then Ryan, because I, I largely agree with uh, all these points that you made. I feel like there's pretty unimpeachable. Um, and, and I, th- I think that last one, especially, um, is one that uh, I think Warner Brothers would not want to be seen as having made the same mistake twice in, you know, two decades or whatever. Um, so the question then is, what do they do about Batman in the larger DC universe? Like, what what do you think the answer to that question is?
2: I'm happy I'm not James Gunn, and I'm happy I don't have to answer that question. <laughs> um, I, because, like, that's what sucks, is I don't know what the answer to that question is. I, I like I do think we're heading closer to an actual reboot Um, whatever that may be, if that's them sort of retooling the flash again to make that more of like a reboot movie, I don't know. But, um, then I think maybe that opens the door for another new Batman. I don't like want that to be the case, but like, I I just, it's not Ben Affleck anymore. Michael Keaton is only going to be in the flash. It seems like that Batman beyond movie that I would have loved got scrapped. So like, what are you left with? You know, so so on that, that's the one that's the one thing where I sort of can see Warner Brothers would look at like, but wait, we have a Batman people like now. Can we build it around this Batman? But like so on the surface, that seems to make sense. But just if you dip your finger just below the surface, that doesn't make any sense. So I don't know if you just go without Batman for a while and you rally around Superman and other heroes and then you maybe eventually find a way to get a Batman in there. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that I think that that seems like the best move because, you know, it would be one thing if like uh, Matt Reeves version of Batman just tanked, right? And like was was uh, creatively unsuccessful and like financially unsuccessful or sort of like really underwhelming. And, um you know, it would just be like, oh, well, we tried this. It didn't work, whatever. The problem is that movie did really well and uh, Joker did really well. So you've got these movies that are basically like begging for sequels because it it almost doesn't make financial sense not to capitalize on them. And then they're often their silos while James Gunn and and Peter Saffron are now trying to like corral everything into this one cohesive thing. So like how long can you uh, operate with those solo silos running um, and, and still be trying to drive toward a singular vision for something it just it seems like um you know like a, a, a true uh, conundrum kind of situation like a, a paradox there's both things can't exist at the same time, but I think they're going to have to for a little while in this sort of growing right. pains period. Well can, um, can I
2: throw out a quick timeline for you? Yeah yeah so let so let's look now I don't know now the one thing I will say before going forward, I don't think doing standalone movies that audiences understand are sort of an else words else worlds thing is a bad idea. But, but here's the one thing I will say. There's no way Joaquin Phoenix does a third Joker movie. Like, I I imagine it was impossible, close to impossible to get him to do this one. Um. So, like, you know, I think Joker 2 is going to be it. That comes out 2024. The Let's say the Batman 2 comes out... I think 2025 is probably realistic at this point, which is long, maybe 2024 if you're lucky, right? Okay, and then Matt Reeves, mm-hmm. they do a third one like they want. So you say... Let's say 2026. Let's say you're done with the the Pattinson trilogy, 2026. Uh, Right now, you couldn't even begin James Gunn's plans until 2024. So could you go two years in that new universe without Batman? I bet you could. Yeah. So, so I think you start with Superman. You start with some of these other heroes in 2024. And you sort of like build to Batman like 26, 27. And then maybe you get Justice League in, in five years. You know, and yeah. then like, and so that to me is like a conceivable way. If you can do this exactly right, yeah, maybe you can do that.
0: Yeah, man, I'm really interested. If like, I think James Gunn has been teasing that you know they're going to be making this presentation to Z- to David Zaslav, the head of Warner Brothers, and and or Warner Brothers Discovery, excuse me, and uh, and some of the the WB folks, and like we imagine that that some of that information is going to leak out, and we're going to be able to to sort of write about it and parse it and, and talk about it and all that. I'm really curious. Like he's been talking about a 10 year plan. I wonder how much of that 10 year plan will actually make its way down to us. Because um, Kevin Feige has a 10 year plan, and we don't know all of it, right? Like for, right. for Marvel. Um, so I, I imagine we're not going to know the whole thing. Um, but and and like, will we know? Will we be able to read between the lines enough with just like the smattering of announcements that we get, or or a little you know pieces of info that we get, to be able to get a good picture of what his roadmap? actually does look like or are we just gonna see you know uh basically like pieces of construction and not the full road if that makes sense so yeah um, yeah it's gonna be
2: interesting because i'll tell you what if there's one conversation that i could be like a fly on the wall for coming up here in the next year oh let me do it let me be there let me be (laughs) there when they got to talk to zaslav about this yeah yeah
0: yeah. So I, I think that's supposed to be happening like maybe this week, if I remember correct, if I remember correctly. Um, so I, I wonder, you know, maybe like right before Christmas or something, we'll, we'll find out a little bit more about that. Or it could be, could be today, who knows? Um, so uh, I, I imagine we'll be back on this podcast talking about it when we learn more about that. So definitely stay tuned to that. Uh, I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of the show. You can find more about all the stuff that we mentioned on today's show at slash film.com and linked inside the show notes for this episode. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. Send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailback topics to us at peter at slashfilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends. Spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.